my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The show is called Philanthropy and Focus. I better say that right away because I feel a rant coming on. So it is your boy, Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you just below the roof, top of the house, the whole thing, in the attic, two flights up from the kitchen, coffee, all the energy drinks, fired up and ready to do philanthropy and focus we're somewhere in the vicinity of 130 episodes of something that was just an idea and i tell you that not because i'm so great or i'm so special but i know you all have plenty of ideas maybe it's just like a figment of your imagination there's something out there and it's this burning desire to create something i'm gonna lean in do me a favor just freaking do it like just freaking do it like if it isn't right and i promise you it isn't going to be perfect when you come out of the gate that's okay you know because we're figuring out ways I think it was uh, Thomas Edison, the light bulb, the incandescent bulb, right? 10,000 ways he figured out not to make the light bulb. He didn't say I failed 10,000 times, Tommy D, and he didn't call me Tommy D. In fact, we never even met. But he said that's 10,000 ways not to make the light bulb. So I'm going to say to you, if something's bothering you, if something's in, it's a bugaboo. It's like, I want to go out and I want to make this impact and I want to change the world. Do the world a favor, do yourself a favor, and do your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, a favor, and go out there and just try it and do it, and that's it. And that's a lot of what we talk about here on Philanthropy and Focus, because, yes, I have leaders of nonprofit organizations that do two things. I help them tell their story and amplify their message, but sometimes it's a leader of an organization who is not the founder. But on a day like today, it is a leader of an organization who is the founder, who I had a great opportunity only a week and a half ago to meet for the first time. To shout out to the New York City Imagine Awards day one, Stephanie Nilva is here. We're going to get to Stephanie in a second. She's a special guest, so I'm just going to rant a little bit longer. But I had the opportunity to meet with Stephanie and her team, and I, I got a, a heck of an education and really just scratching the surface of what the organization does, but also just an education from a societal society's perspective. And we'll talk about that today. Really, I think it's all about nonprofits changing the world. And they're out there on the front lines doing it. And I say when it's a founder, it's somebody had an idea. They saw an opportunity. You know, an entrepreneur in the for-profit side, they see an opportunity in the marketplace. They go ahead, they do the thing, they make the change. On the nonprofit side, we see a need. We see an opportunity to address that need. And that's what leaders and founders of organizations do. So now I'm going to say hello to Stephanie. And then I'll read backgrounds and bios and things like that. And I'll probably put the air conditioner on because although I'm dressed like, you know, it's summertime, I will tell you, it gets hot at the top of the house. It gets warm in an attic, you know? So, like, I really am in an attic, for anybody who didn't know that. Anyway, Stephanie, good morning. Welcome to Philanthropy and Focus. Welcome to my world, my network, because you know what? Wherever you go, whatever you do, I want to stay connected, and I want to make introductions for you and for the organization. So, first of all, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks, Tommy. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm doing great. I'm really thrilled to have the chance to talk about the organization. I'm always I'm happy to uh, discuss day one's work and the impact on youth, dating violence, and how we can all do better to promote healthy relationships in the world. That's it. And that's what it is. I mean, the, the mantra, the tagline, if you will, is give me the tagline. I know it, but say it for me. Day one. Love should always be safe. Love should always be safe safe. I talk a lot about love. I talk a lot about compassion. I talk a lot about making the world a better place, right? That's what it is. I got 50 years left. And it's funny because I've been saying that for like two years. So I got 50 years left. So here's the deal. What's the impact I'm going to make? Well, we'll figure it out. What's the impact you all are going to make, right? I'm speaking to the people listening. You might find this podcast and you might not know who this wild man is, or you might find this on Facebook and you not know. you might not know who Tommy D is, but you might be inspired by the work that we're doing. You might be inspired. You might be inspired to go to the website, which is day1ny.org, day1ny.org. You may never go to the website, but you may take the tidbits that Stephanie and I talk about and you may bring them to educate people in your community. Maybe you're an educator yourself. Maybe you will plug into the curriculum that they have, but I'm getting ahead of ourselves. But the point of this is it's all there for you. Okay, so in my 50 years, I'm going to make a big impact. I'm going to change the world. How are you going to change the world? How are you going to make an impact? Are you going to do days of service? I did 55 days of service. Okay, so five to hit five to hit 60. And I will tell you, Stephanie and everybody else listening, the little secret about once I hit hashtag 60 days of service, we start back at one and it's called hashtag 70 days of service. And that's how it goes. So now the cat is out of, cat's out of the bag. All right. 
Stephanie, I want to get into this. I want to get into your background because obviously our experience in life is what informs us to make change. Our, our experience in life is what gives us the insight. And, and, and really, I think you would agree. The thing about it is we're just really here to impact other people, make it a better place for other people, and bottom line, make the world a better place, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're going to see me leave the screen for a second because I'm not kidding. I have to turn the air conditioner on. I'm about to melt. So I want you to just give me your background. You know, you started out, you, you know, you were an attorney. I just take me back because ultimately my my leaders, my friends who lead organizations, they literally are impacted by something in their life that makes them have this figment, I say, of their imagination to create. Can you start us off with your story? Was there something early on that drew you? I know the story that drew you to the work and founding this organization, but was there something that drew you to social work, to connect with society, to support people in general? I am back in two seconds. Okay. So, so yeah, I think when I decided to go to law school in my very early 20s, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to do nonprofit. So those were the, I tried to aim my classes that direction. I took a clinic. I would take internships for public interest organizations or women focused organizations and so on. And then uh, when I graduated, um, I wanted to continue in the same kind of work. So I, my first job was uh, doing domestic violence work, um, actually in the Orthodox Jewish community, which was fascinating. And, you know, it's a community that faces a lot of barriers. And, um, and, you know, some days I really see a lot of similarities really between all communities that face barriers. So the youth uh, that we work with today, um, you know, everybody faces different barriers that keep them from accessing help related to domestic violence. Um, so that was my first job. And um, I did a few different things over the years, but really centering around either family court, family law, um, but always coming back to domestic violence work. And then honestly, uh, you know, in my first years working with adults, I would talk with them about what their experiences had involved. And so frequently um, folks would say that they first experienced harm when they were dating. So before they got married, I, especially in the, the first communities I worked with, I was really working with adults who are long into their marriages, may have a couple of kids and so on. So they were describing situations that had been going on for decades. And so then this idea um, to join up with an organization that was focused on youth and think about how can we grow that in New York? How can we think about both simultaneously helping uh, uh, young people, people who've experienced harm in their relationships, but how do we get ahead of that? How do we incorporate prevention so that we don't ever have to see them on the other side? There doesn't need to be lawyer work um, because people are able to learn about how to treat others with respect and identify harmful patterns early on and can uh, make changes and make decisions that will help them stay safe uh, in addition to, again, talking to young people, too, about not harming others to begin with. So I, there's, wow, first of all, so much there. I have about 75 questions, which we'll have, <laughs> we'll have to do a second show. Identify patterns. I want to I make a note of that so we can get into that. I want So you are always sort of drawn to this DV space, it sounds like, the domestic violence space. Uh, and, and can you talk about family court and, like, you know, when you went to law school did you even know at that point that when i get out like this is you know because people go to law school that's like a, it is a specific you're now an attorney you could put esq behind your name and well what do i do now it doesn't mean you know now now your path isn't drawn out for you you can do the type of work you do right or we're doing the work you're doing at running an organization you could be an in-house counsel you can go work for the government i mean it's probably a million different tracks that people can go on so even was it early on for you that you knew that would be a focus as well? Um, I, th- I think that the internships I looked for when I was in law school were focused on women and girls, were focused on um, civil rights type of areas and so on. But this was a long time ago, honestly, this was the 90s. Yeah. And there wasn't a family law clinic in my law school at that time. There was, there certainly wasn't a domestic violence clinic either. So I, w- I did a clinic that really just helped people with social services in general. You know, this is um, today my school and other schools, lots of schools have domestic violence clinics. Um, so these are areas that have just been really uh, 
you know, silenced and, and hidden in the shadows because of the shame, the blame that's associated with interpersonal violence. Um, so I didn't identify domestic violence per se when I was in law school as something I wanted to do, but it was an opportunity that came about in my first job, um, which was really just a fellowship, as I said, focused on domestic violence in the Orthodox community, um, because it's really important to look at smaller communities, isolated communities. How do you think about, how do you bring help to um, uh, particular sectors of the population that might be, just face additional barriers? Um, everybody faces barriers of one sort or another, and that, that overarches everything. But some have specific things that might be related to language access, religion, geography, et cetera. So thank you for all that. So I, I got to, sometimes when I don't know the definition or understand something, I realize that others might not as well. So I like yeah. to all out things like that. So when you say a clinic, now I always thought I'd make a great attorney. I've not gone to law school, which is the reason I'm not an attorney. I just probably, there might be one or two other reasons, but it's really because you have to go to law school. I think there was one state you don't have to go to law school. <laughs> a movie with, um, you know, catch me if you can, where like he, he became an yeah, attorney, yeah. you know, but that, that anyway, um, good move though. So what is a clinic when you refer to that in the law school setting? Yeah, yeah. It's an opportunity for students to do actual work. And I think if you're a law student or thinking about law school, anybody out there, um, I really just highly recommend uh, clinical work because what it is, is, you know, you can take a lot of classes, you can read the books, you can sit and argue in class and, you know, go back and forth with a professor, but there's nothing like having genuine clients and clients approach law schools because they know, or they learn about those clinics and they recognize that the uh, there's an opportunity to, to make a real difference in individuals' lives or sometimes groups, you know, depending on what the clinic focuses on. Um, so I worked with uh, a young man at that time. Again, this was the mid nineties um, who was HIV positive and was struggling to keep his, the apartment that he was living in because he wasn't, there was no uh, marriage for people in same-sex relationships. So he wasn't on a lease, wasn't married to his partner, his partner had died and so on. So it was an opportunity to really make a difference in somebody's life um, who was facing eviction uh, can- while, while, while struggling with healthcare issues. So, so, so you were work. you're in, uh, excuse me, you're in law school at Cardoza Law, right? And you're working in the clinic and this gentleman, it approaches you to get services just so I'm grasping, right? Wow. So shout out to the Betsetic Law Clinic at, at Cardozo Law School. Yeah. Shout out. Right on. Bet say it again one time. What Bet B E T Zedek T Z E D E K. Bet Zedek Law Clinic at Cardozo. Shout out. All yeah. right. So let's talk about that. Um that that experience sort of that's a, sounds like a civil rights issues in, involved there too, right? Re- like I guess and housing access uh you know we weren't we weren't taking on marriage but you know housing access and what that but but we did have to prove what that relationship was because the law in New York at least at that time it did recognize it to a certain degree in kind of vague language okay wow so it, it sounds to me and again it's not like uh not necessarily clinic like you're taking batting practice you're actually a clinic where you're in the game you know little baseball batting practice for for lawyers <laughs> yeah but, but 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 like not just like in the cage taking you know pitches actually doing the work because you're serving somebody too and again i'm, I'm assuming you're in the game you're yes. in the game yeah right on very very cool uh, maybe they should change it from clinics to being in the game i don't know <laughs> that's just a tommy d thing hey if you want to find out about it cardo is a law school send me a text we'll talk about it um listen so we are going to take a quick break but this is how we this is how we do the show we set up the story because we're going to talk about the organization day one everybody and we're going to talk about education and advocacy and legal services and all these things that day one is providing and if I'm not mistaken, Stephanie, 20,000 young people get education. Is it each year? It's support each year, yeah. Each year, 20,000 people in New York City uh, are supported by this, this work. We will get into all that. We're going to take a quick break. Stephanie Nova, founder and executive director of Day One is here. And your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, is here because I have to be because it's my show and that's how it works. We're going to take a quick 90-second break. Right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. I can't get to the show. Cut through the static. Join Tommy in the attic. That's what the show is all about. It's philanthropy and focus. And it is live show. We do this show live every single Friday morning. And here's what I want to tell you. You never know how things in life are going to affect you, affect other people, be connected to other people. And I just got a text message from a friend, a colleague of mine. Who said, Tommy, this is a conversation that really resonates with me just from some things in my own life. And that's what I want to say. So you know what? Here's the deal. I was uh, I was visiting a friend of mine, Lauren Blockos, at the Alzheimer's Disease Resource Center out on Long Island. And we were talking about a documentary that she and the organization have the rights to to go out and show. And the documentary is about Robin Williams. And it's about Lewy body dementia. And, sh- and I cannot wait to go see this because there's a Robin Williams quote that I use all the time. And I say it like this. Everyone you know is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind, always. Be kind, always. That's what I talk about. It's love and compassion, those four boys from Liverpool, right? We need other things, but all we need is love, right? We do need some other stuff, but if we drive it to that point. This was unrehearsed. I didn't plan on going in that little tangent, but... When you're the nonprofit sector connector, man, I live in tangents. I live out there. Just ask Stephanie when we met. And and she was like trying to keep me on message while we were doing an interview about the New York City Imagine Awards. Shout out the Imagine Awards. Uh, we will find out within just a matter of days who the finalists are. We have the semifinalists. Go to nycimaginewards.com, nycimaginewards.com, or just uh, hit me up on Instagram, tommyd.nyc. All right, so look, you never know. Who's dealing with what? You never know what folks' lives are like. And we have to be here for each other. I will stop and pause with that. I want to do, I want to read something though, right here. Day one focuses on full services on youth 24 years and under who are at risk of experiencing relationship abuse. Through prevention programs, they reach 10,000 youth per year. Oh my goodness. Education programs, advocacy. I had such a great opportunity as your organization is a semi-finalist right now in the New York City Imagine Awards, I had the opportunity to meet with you and some of your team. Gang, I say that because I'm a committee member from the beginning of the New York City Imagine Awards, this third annual event. I love that opportunity to meet with people and learn about their organizations. So I got, quote unquote, a sneak peek of the organization. Let's set it up, though. Let's set up, let's take it from your background, your concern for people, you know, your concern for making an impact and how that rolls into what is now known as day one, please. Yeah. So we started out as um, just two people, myself and one other staff member. Um, And now we have over 30 folks um, focused on all these different areas, as I said, about intervention and prevention. Um, So we have a team of educators and they go to middle schools, high schools, they're they're delivering workshops, talking about what does a healthy relationship look like? What's dating abuse 101, consent, coercion? How do I navigate that? What does a healthy breakup look like? Um, What resources available? And then technology-based abuse, technology-based abuse, technology-based abuse. Um, 
And then, you know, we deliver the similar trainings for um, adults because too many adults don't recognize the warning signs. They can get into a victim blaming mode and question somebody who's experiencing something, which can really silence them and prevent them from getting help. So we want to build those skills so that when a young person approaches a teacher, a guidance counselor, a coach, it doesn't matter, you know, a lawyer, a social worker, anywhere, um, that that person is equipped to provide sensitive guidance, respond appropriately, give the right referrals referrals, um, you know, and, and uh, be, be ready for the types of complexity that young people can bring to disclosing harm that they're experiencing. So then those educational programs often lead to referrals from those professionals in schools or youth programs that come over to our legal or social services uh, teams. We also have a presence in the family justice centers. Those are nationwide centers for kind of one-stop shops for domestic violence services. People could just walk in and get help. And we're there to be the youth specialists. So we have a presence in, you know, the five boroughs. And then also, uh, again, we get school-based referrals. They come through an intake process through our social services team. Um, So they're going to talk through what somebody's experiencing. And that might be, I'm uncomfortable. I don't like what's happening in my my relationship. Or I'm getting physically assaulted. I've experienced rape. I, you know, any, it could be any, I'm being stalked in online or in my school, or I'm scared to leave my house because my partner's in a gang and they know where I live. You know, there's all sorts of scenarios that can show up for young people. And then we provide youth leadership programming because we want to make sure that we are strengthening our messages by the most powerful messengers out there, uh, which is young people themselves. Let We want young people to bring their powerful voices to their peers, act as support systems for other youth in schools, and then become the advocates that can change the world, the like leaders of the future in uh, anti-violence work. Um, we do a touch of policy work as well to make sure that the laws that are getting passed out there are, uh, let's say, hospitable to youth, because you can pass a lot of laws envisioning, you know, some older predator work, you know, with a teen, but you may not be thinking about what what happens if this is going on between two people in the same high school, and the law is going to impact those folks differently. So we want to weigh in and make sure that legislation acknowledges that sort of scenario. Yeah, I got to be honest, you know, in doing this show over the years now, um, I don't want to say like some of the episodes of this show are like soft and fluffy and things like that. And, and I, I, I always tell people, get out of your comfort zone. I say, that's where life begins. Life begins out of your comfort zone. And I will tell you, uh, in my own experience, we had an episode of the show uh, last year and it was about human trafficking. And I'll tell you, I was scared to do the show. I was scared because I, I was scared of what I was going to learn. I was just scared, period. Like yeah. that. And, and I, when we did the show and, um, my life is affected and changed by doing that show. And I, and I hope that's what happens to other people by plugging into what we're doing. And, you know, the topics of conversation, uh, again, I'm raising four children, right? And, and these are conversations that, you know, we have to have. And um, I tell you all that gang, just to just say to, to be aware. Yes. Yeah, some of this stuff might be scary. Well, good. Cause that's what we have to do is change the world and make it a better place. So sorry if you're a little scared. Don't turn the dot. Yeah. Awareness matters. Yeah. hundred percent. Awareness matters. Like it, it, this is like, you know, things don't go away just because you just don't pay attention. It's things, right? Right. And and literally your reaction to something, you're, you're having an 800 number handy. You're knowing that day one exists. Like all of those things can, I truly believe save a life. Because because the challenge that we have is again, this giant awareness gap. If young people struggle to, I think that, think that, you know, this is just how my partner acts. You know, they think it's something between the two of them. There's no need to come forward and get help because the partner is saying, hey, if you didn't do X, Y, Z, then I wouldn't have been mad. I wouldn't have hurt you or something. So you don't, then what, what, how can you help me? How can my parent help me? How can a teacher help me? I, I know I can, I can change this by changing my own behavior, which of course is incorrect. Right. But, um, but, but over time you can come to believe something like that. Sure. So to have an adult or even another young friend say to you, you know what? I want something different for you. I, I, I see that as unacceptable. That is not true. You are not at fault. Nobody is ever responsible for the abuse someone else is perpetrating upon them. No one is ever responsible for the abuse that someone else is perpetrating on them. Are you listening, folks? This yeah. is 
I do. Talk more about this? <laughs> I want you to talk more about it, but I think yeah. it's very important at this point that you tell me how, if somebody is hearing this and how they can get in touch with your organization, please. Yeah. I mean, well, the easiest way is through our website, day1ny, all in letters.org. Um, but I want to say that there are a lot of myths out there. There's a lot of misconceptions. People really, um, right, even right now might be envisioning if they're listening, the idea that, you know, well, sure, this happens to people who are, who are weak, who are passive, who are mousy, who are not assertive, who are, uh, you know, limited in some way. And that's just not true. We have such strong young people, or they were strong when they entered these relationships. Um, and they still have that strength in them. Um, but they have been debilitated over time by, you know, constant verbal abuse, criticism, emotional harm, threats, uh, people who are threatening to harm them or to harm themselves, right? If you break up with me, I'll kill myself. Like that's actually, you know, a fairly frequent thing we see particularly among youth. And that sort of, that sort of behavior um, you can imagine can just make you anxious all the time. If somebody is setting up fake profiles, getting into your social media, stalking you through your phone somehow, yeah. that's, that's the universe that young people are in all the time, right? Online. And if you feel like someone is tracking you or can follow you or knows everything you're doing or is saying like, oh, I, I know you're wearing a red t-shirt today, or I saw you went to the McDonald's on the corner. Like that's terrifying, yes, terrifying. Is. So, you know, people, and that happens to people because of, I mean, honestly, you know, hurt people, hurt people, you know, people who are perpetrating harm are not to their core evil in some way. They are people who grew up with the messaging that they got and they are harming others. And we just have to deal with that. But it doesn't mean that the people who are experiencing it are folks who are, um, that, that, that this is about them and their damage. Right. Um, they're experiencing damage and they may be the most strong, smart, assertive folks, wealthy, yeah. you know, uh, privileged in all sorts of ways. And you encounter an abusive person and that nobody shows up on the first date and says, this is going to get really ugly in six months. You know, I'm going to start hitting you or something like that. It's progressive. It's slow. People think, oh, it's going to change. They apologized, et cetera. And so there's this cumulative effect. Um, you start feeling responsible for the other person's life because they're threatening to hurt themselves. If you leave them, that's paralyzing. So, you know, that kind of, you know, I, I just really want to disabuse people of that misconception that um, that it's only certain types of people who experience harm. Yeah, uh, you know, thank you for all that. And what, what's coming up for me is I think in terms of, you know, if we do think from from a young person's perspective and maybe this is their first experience in a relationship. Yes. Right. And if that is their first experience. 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, I got a boyfriend, I got a girlfriend, whatever, holding hands. And if that is it, this, all our lives is based on experience, right? Mm -hmm. so now that 18 or 19 year old young person had some challenging experiences or like, I, I look, I'm 45 years old, but I think back like to different things in my life. I'm shaped by, we're all shaped by our experiences. And those times when we're very impressionable and it is, we don't know if we haven't been educated, then we think, well, this is what quote unquote love is or courting is or whatever. I mean, you and I, you know, I did a video this week and we had, you know, kind of an anecdotal conversation, you and I about it. But some of this stuff we're going to go long to before our break because I feel it already. But here's some of this stuff comes from the media, maybe that we have consumed, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I'll say one, I'll say three words, <laughs> Pepe Le Pew. Let's Tell me about that. Like, if you don't know Pepe Le Pew, gang, it's a Looney Tunes guy. I think it was Looney Tunes or the other ones. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew was all about my, you know, all up in my childhood and was just constantly like groping and kissing and touching that poor little cat whose name was Penelope. Penelope. And, you know, just against her will, she was always trying to escape. Yeah. And, and it's, and then we were told that was adorable and funny and charming. That was sometimes air quotes, gang, if you're only listening. That was cute. Like, that was how cute. Now, again, you know how many times I saw that? I mean, I, I think we're in roughly the same era. So it was actually a huge animated character from uh, Warner Brothers Looney Tune, and first introduced in 1945. Okay, I was introduced in 1978. That's when I came on the scene. So I was still seeing this. And I know I've seen Pepe Le Pew, like, within the last 12 years. And our parents. 
our right. parents saw that, right? Our parents thought that you know these things are normal and cute and charming and okay behavior. Yeah, yeah it's not. And, and I was thinking about and it's we, okay to enjoy things that are unhealthy, but it's also important to like bring a critical lens to what their messages they're sending. Thank you for being so real about it because it's okay to see. Like, look, there's plenty of bad messaging on TV, but it's who gets the message and at what point in their development do they get the message? You know, I I sometimes watch. Uh, I, I may have told you about this. I think I did. Um, I watched Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And I I watch that show, and sometimes I can't watch the show for a year but because of the topics of discussion. But, you know, my children shouldn't be watching that show at their age. Young people should not be, you know, that's my opinion, everybody. I don't think a young person needs to have that information. However, you know, like the Pepe Le Pew thing or this thing, you remember this one? I know this is going to resonate certainly with somebody who's listening, I, Stephanie, I think with you as well, is... Oh, if somebody punches you in the arm, like in the, on the schoolyard, it's because they like you, and that's he pulls his he pulls your hair because he likes you, that, or like uh, nonsense. Boys being boys, I'm raising two sons and I'm raising two daughters, so it cannot be that way. We have to we have to get in and we have to influence and intervene in the education and disrupt the, the messages. Yeah, yeah. We this is development. People, you are developing people. What is the, the, before we go to break, one last question. What is the youngest age where you're doing education with these young people in the schools? So the youngest um, we are delivering the workshops ourselves is in middle school, but we also have a lot of resources and materials that we have created for elementary school teachers. So please go to our website, look around for our EPIC program, um, EPIC, uh, it's Early Prevention Initiative for Children, I think. And, you know, there's a lot of classroom exercises. There's also a downloadable guide for parents about how do you demonstrate healthy modeling uh, of relationships and interactions with your the children in your home. Absolutely. Guys, I got to call it out, too. We're going to go to break in a second. Hang tight, Logan. I promise we're going to break. Iempathize.org. That's the other organization that I was referring to. So if you are, if you see somebody who needs some support from, from you know, maybe a, a human trafficking situation or whatever, certainly connect with Day One. I'm sure they can give you the referrals and resources. But specifically to that community, they have a lot of resources. Iempathize.org. Check them out. Uh, and again, they have programs, they have edu- education, they educate the hospitality industry, they educate the restaurants and hospitality, because we see in certain communities that tragic behavior is uh, is uh, is often occurs in those experiences. All right, we are going to take this break that I've been telling you we we're going to take. Stephanie and Tommy D, day one is the organization Philanthropy and Focus is a show. Tommy D is the nonprofit sector connector. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the Nonprofit Sector Connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on TalkRadio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on TalkRadio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. There was a commercial during the break there about some show called Philanthropy and Focus. Sounds like a good show. I'm going to check it out. All right. So here's the history of day one. I'm sharing this. If you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, anywhere, 
else and you're seeing the live stream or the feed or the recording or whatever you're seeing me share the website go to the website day one o-n-e-d-a-y-o-n-e-n-y dot org day one n-y all spelled out not the number one the word o-n-e you'll see the impact here i'm sharing some of this just the history and the impact we're going to go back to our conversation but i want the website to be out there because what do we do on the show if not educate and and then really give people access to the information and access to these resources. So Stephanie Nilva is here with me, executive director, founder of the organization. So let's talk, Stephanie, let's talk about like some of the stories. Um, oh, actually you just shared some with me. So let's call it out. Uh, know your rights guys are the downloadable educational piece on uh, right on the website. So, so why don't we talk about that? Like, that's how this show works. Like you call it out and I say, let's talk about it and then let's go. So let's, let's do that. So, so people know where they can find those resources. Yeah, so we have, I think, 11 different educational guides on our website. So uh, it really, we've definitely seen the impact of them. We distribute them um, in the hundreds and thousands around uh, the city to youth sites and to schools. And those guides are, yeah, there you go. And then those guides talk about what are the, we've seen young people go through them and kind of see this checklist. Oh, wow, I experienced that. I experienced that. I experienced that. And oh my gosh, that's to have that defined for them. Oh, that's abusive. Oh, maybe that's, that's risky. That's actually illegal. And here are the responses, right? So what you can see on your screen is how do you help a friend who's going through something? How do you get an order of protection in New York state? Um, what does consent and coercion look like? Technology, the signs of technology abuse, LGBTQ relationships, you know, which have unique characteristics sometimes. So the healthy friendships guide is great. That one is, um, uh, is the first like focused on younger is really intended for actually an adult audience to think about how can you set up those models? What I was saying about before the break, how do you build those um, friendship models in the younger ages so that we deliver young people into their dating years with the language and skills. Um, And uh, you know, the, you were, you were clicked on the LGBTQ relationships guide for a moment. You know, like what I can say about that is, you know, you've got certain elements of our community that can be less likely to come forward for help. Right. They might feel like, you know, to say that I'm being harmed in my relationship also makes means that I have to tell my parents, actually, I'm in a same sex relationship or that friend that I've been hanging out with is actually my partner. And so, like, that's a different layer of how to navigate that situation. Um, And, and, you know, there's also, again, misconceptions, maybe that if you're two young people that are female identified, like, well, you there, how dangerous could that possibly be? Or there's no risk there or something because, because we have such a preconception that this only happens um, by, by male identified people towards female identified people. And that is not always the case. Um, All of day one's preventive programs and educational materials are really um, inclusive and gender inclusive so that really we're making sure young people are absorbing the message that this can happen to anyone. Uh, this can happen in any type of relationship. So, and that brings something up for me too, that I, I want to just call out. I think it's important to do so is that, you know, if we think of, of domestic violence or abuse in relationships as a strictly physical behavior, right? Like to your point, like the stereotypical male in this situation as the perpetrator, if this is not just physical abuse, Stephanie. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Screen now, gang, you can check out the website. Again, go to uh, the resources tab. The website is day one, N-Y, D-A-Y-O-N-E, New York, excuse me, N-Y.org. Click over, hover over online resources and then go know your rights and you'll see all these uh, 11 guides that you can, I mean, so much information, so much has gone into this. But like, let's talk about that. This could be you know, there's a lot of other manipulation. Yes, I really, really appreciate you steering the conversation in that direction. And um, let's circle back and make sure we talk about the sunshine video, right? Yes. So, um, you know, for young people particularly, and I this is a quote from a young survivor that we worked with. And again, this comes up in different language, you know, all the time. I didn't think this was abusive because I didn't have black and blue marks. I wasn't getting hit. And folks don't necessarily process or um, absorb the negative impact of cumulative criticism and fear and anxiety. And well, um, you know, I, I want you to be with me all the time. So I, can you quit your after school classes? You know, it, 
that's complicated. It feels kind of charming and sweet and somebody wants to be with you all the time. Again, in those first relationships, that feels lovely, you know, but then you realize you're becoming isolated from other people and then the person starts criticizing and then you don't have anybody to go to because they're criticizing you and your friends are kind of like done with that or you've cut them out because you don't attend things anymore and you get that spiraling effect that can eventually become physical abuse or not. I have a hundred percent seen clients over the years who have experienced only emotional abuse that took years of counseling and therapy to recover from just really paralyzing, you know, become agoraphobic, became just fearful. You know, I remember a client who said she would be in the car and her boyfriend would constantly, uh, make believe or attempt to steer the car into traffic, like ongoing, um, oncoming traffic. And can you imagine the fearfulness um, and of him dying? You're both of you dying. Like, and, and that's not a, that's not physical abuse. No, 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 no. That is, that is an example. Um, and also that terrorizing uh, all, all encompassing kind of surrounding feeling. If somebody is, it has your passwords can get into your social media, has set up a fake profile and is making believe they're you and sending nasty messages to the people in your community. And again, isolating you further as a, as a result of that. So there's so many ways and so many destructive areas. There's financial abuse, spiritual abuse. There's all sorts of areas that are, never reached physical assault or sexual assault, but they can be just devastating, especially for young people. Traumatizing and tragic. You know, I, I, I want to ask, a, I want to play, you know, from the other angle real quick. So you said something in maybe our first segment, hurt people hurt people, right? So we know that. So often there's been trauma in the person who is doing the, mm-hmm. or, so I wonder, you know, while yes, your organization is serving those who are survivors, though, certainly on the front lines of educating and prevention, obviously, as we've talked about, I wonder from a referral perspective, or, or let's just say someone is an abuser, and they're finding this material somewhere on the internet, right? Or, or they're hearing this or whatever. Um, and they don't want to be doing what they're doing. Yeah. I know it's not, I, I think it's probably not exactly where you guys live every day, but could you speak to it a little bit about where they can maybe find some resources, whether it's, you know, for, for their own trauma, their anger management, their counseling and things like that? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't Google around with some of the language you're using. I will be honest. There are very limited services for people who cause harm. And there's even more, you know, even less services and and resources available for younger folks in that area. However, some of the work that day one does, you know, we have eight social workers that um, are uh, embedded in eight high schools in New York city. And we see, of course, a continuum before we had that program, you know, it was just kind of a little more black and white slightly, right. Embedding our social workers in high school, we started seeing much more of a progressive, almost like pre-abusive behavior, the unhealthy patterns that are showing up early that, again, young people are just, you know, they're following models that are out in the community that they're seeing in media where, you know, who knows, maybe at home, maybe not. Um, and that, and then how can we intervene in those moments to say, like, actually, it's, you know, really not nice to say that to somebody. Um, and, oh, I didn't realize. Or we have had young people come up to us after a workshop and say, I actually, I think I'm doing some of those things. And, you know, so we are trying to, as you said, our focus is on survivors. um, But we are trying through our preventive programs also to send the message about what a mutually healthy relationship looks like. Early workshops were dating violence, again, consent, things like that. And we realized nobody, there's so much don't do this and don't do that in young people's lives. But nobody was saying to them, like, what does a healthy relationship look like? Right, And and oftentimes, let's be real, um, many of us, you know, didn't always see healthy relationships. And exactly. that, goes to, that goes back to like the experience piece of what I started to say a couple of times this morning. It's just, you know, we're, you know, as children and whatever, we're looking up to see, to learn, not just from our parents, but from, you know, other family members and people in the in community, Friends, whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever there's like older siblings, whatever, like all of that. So, so I, I think it's, and, and wow, I love that piece where you just said like, during that continuum in the education space in the high schools there, some of these people are like, wow, I'm actually doing that, but I didn't. And I think that is, you know, that's somebody like, so not in the middle school or the elementary school, like we, I don't want to say this, like there, we're still able to prevent because we're catching things and catching our behaviors to go. I didn't even realize like waiting outside her house because, or his house or whatever. I don't want to, you know, 
all right, I got to be careful making gender. But waiting outside someone's home till they get home with their friends is not only not only as like a sweet loving thing. It's also like you know what are you doing? Where's some yeah. we need to discuss boundaries, right? Can we can we next deep dive? Can we can we talk a little bit about how do you build those skills early? How do you talk to children and adults? What does that language look like? Yeah. Yes, we can. That's exactly what we can do. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do that deep dive. And then, which happens on this show, we always run out of time before we run out of things to say. So what I want you to do is let's do that deep dive, what that all looks like, and maybe kind of role play some of that out for me. And then tell us what the future of the organization is. What do you need? Who can we connect you with? That sort of thing. This program is philanthropy and focus. This is my mission. This is it. I'm going to be old Tommy D, like coming up here to the attic, still doing the show. Still shining a light. I might have maybe somebody help me shine the light, but still shining a light and helping these organizations tell their story. We'll be right back. Break time. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc, Fridays at noon Eastern, and Intangify your business today. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. All right, by now you probably know if you've ever listened to the show before. Here in the attic, we spell focus with a PH instead of an F. Philanthropy in focus. All right, so listen, if you want to hook up with me, connect with me, Tommy D at philanthropyinfocus.com or on the Instagram, which I really like, uh, tommyd.nyc. I'm watching us right now, Stephanie. We're live on Facebook. We're live on LinkedIn. And like this video is on all my monitors of you and me. I see my hand waving and I just, I, I don't know which is the real me anymore. All right, let's look at the one in the middle, Tommy D. All right, so I, I just, I, I encourage people to check in on all these different platforms and really pay attention to what day one is doing and certainly what I'm doing and trying to get the word out for these organizations. Let's talk about, can, can we frame some of the language and the conversation around healthy relationships, please? Yeah. um, You know, I mentioned earlier that we have materials for elementary school teachers. And then one of our downloadable guides is for parents about modeling healthy behaviors. And, you know, young people are, uh, before the break, we were talking about the fact that, you know, young people in schools, like may not realize what their, how their behavior is impacting somebody, right? So we want to build those language and that language and skills as early as possible. How can we be talking to toddlers, elementary school students? How do you talk about consent? I mean, don't get Freaked yeah. out. It's not about sex, but like, how do you talk about consent to very young children? Sure. How do you say you get to choose your clothing? Do you want to shake hands goodbye or hello? Do you ha- do you want to kiss this person goodbye? Give young people autonomy over their own bodies. Make sure that if they are siblings in a household and one of them says, stop tickling me, that the other person is listening because that is a communication. That is a message. That is a lesson they are getting. If a parent says, you have the right to say, I don't like what's happening. I want it to stop. 
And then those young people become, those children become the adolescents who become the teenagers who then have an assumption, who walk into their interactions with their peers and into their dating uh, potential circumstances, understanding like, oh, I can ask for this. I can say, I'd like to kiss you. Is that okay? I can say, um, I don't like it when you do that. Um, Can I sit next to you? Do you want to hold hands? You know, and that that is that is presumed and that's understood and that that is an expectation on both sides so that you can um, ensure that people have that balance and that respect and that uh, consent um, as they enter their more uh, intimate relationships as they grow older. Yeah. As you're saying all that, I'm just continuing to think about, yeah, this is a development situation. It's an education situation. I mean, I I can, I'll speak, you know, just candidly, I, I, you know, I rarely ever talk about my children by name or my family, but I will just refer to, you know, a situation where, you know, I grew up in a very loving family. I see my uncles kiss on the cheek, right? I'm from Long Island. I laugh about it because, you know, a friend of mine, (laughs) very good friend of mine, we collab on a lot of stuff. She she moved here. She originally was from Maryland. And she's like, the funniest thing about coming to Long Island for me was like, when you meet people in business, it's like hugging a kiss on the cheek. And she's like, what's up with all the kiss on the cheek? Now I've been kissing people on the cheek since I'm a kid, right? So that's what we do out here on Long Island. Although pre-COVID, I'm sort of like, I post-COVID rather, pre-COVID, big hugs and kiss. But after, it's sort of like, now I'm like mindful. Are we hugging again? Can I hug you? Where are we at? I, right. I, right? Exactly. I, oh, yeah. We can totally take these these COVID messages to right. like, is it is this okay? You, you, young people, I think when we're children, we think everybody just thinks the same things. We're all just people with the same brain or something. But like, can we can we say like, oh, actually, like, I, you know, holding hands feels really intimate to me. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Or, and it's okay to say like, what are you comfortable with? Is it okay to to, to hold hands and and um and kiss? And you uh you made me think of something else. Oh, we we're talking about you know, it's okay as a parent to like, I'm not saying don't watch cartoons or don't watch these, you know, or music that has a lot of unhealthy language and so on, or, or, you know, descriptions of, of, of circumstances, but as a parent or as a caregiver in some way, or a friend, even you can say like, Hey, you know, is it okay to kiss a princess even when if she's sleeping? Is it okay to like do that? You know, when somebody's unconscious, is that what that means? Like, just like, just examine. Let's examine it. So let's utilize the media. It doesn't necessarily mean yes. shut it down, but it's like let's let's take it to the next level. Like in sales, we call that second level, third level questions, right? Bringing it to that. One quick point I want to make because we're like we're running out of time. I want to make quick yeah. thing. What I was going to say was one of my children. So again, loving family, hugs, kisses. Extended family sometimes is overpowering when you're a tiny four or five-year-old and like, oh, you got to kiss your aunt. You got to kiss. And it, the kid's like, yo, hold on a second. I'm not digging this. And I, I had to, like my own education, like I, my wife was like, you know, she doesn't have to kiss everybody. Let's, Tommy D, let's like draw this back. And and I seen my like other family members like, no, no, no. You got to kiss Uncle Johnny. You got to kiss this one. You got to kiss... You know, now, now where is that autonomy? You, yeah, you got to balance that stuff. Right? How's that? And again, I'm not, this isn't, it's kind of a judgment free zone, gang. This is education. We're trying to expose you to, to stuff. And even without saying like, don't do this or don't, you know, you can't, you know, all the negatives and so on. You can even just call out positives. Yeah. Oh, I like when we're watching that show and I like how that person always helps the other person in the, in the household. Mm-hmm. I like how sometimes one person does the work and the other person does the work. I like how they brought them flowers because they know the other person likes flowers or they took care of chores because they, the other person appreciates that. So like calling out the positive things that demonstrate balance, equality, equity, and relationships. I love that. This is so great. We could have talked about this for hours and days. Yeah. And, and so here's what I, a couple of things I want to shout out. I want to shout out, go to uh, YouTube, everybody. I'm not going to share this video on the, um, because some people are listening and finding this as a podcast, but go to YouTube and look up day one NY, day one NY, all spelled out with the letters. Uh, and there's a video there called sunshine. Don't confuse love and abuse day one. So when you just find day one. If you can't find it, you can it, find our YouTube channel and it's there. Yeah. You're going to find it on the YouTube channel, but I watched it very taken by, very educated by, again, I'm telling you, I do this show somewhat selfishly to learn about what organizations are doing because in those 50 years I referenced, I'd like to make the world a better place. And this, the world certainly starts in, in this house where the attic is. Um, all right. So what's upcoming for the organization, Stephanie? I mean, let's, if you have anything you want to share, what's upcoming? 
Well, the biggest change, honestly, um, you and I talked about this separately, um, is I am transitioning out of my position as executive director. Um, I will always be the founder, and I'm incredibly proud of the amazing work that Day One does. Um, and I'm going to stay on and continue supporting the organization uh, in all the resource development that they need um, for the time being. So there's a search going on if you know folks interested and who have the skills to, to run a small to medium-sized nonprofit organization. I think the Posting for the position actually went up yesterday. And um, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but you know, the organization is going to be with an interim executive director, and her name is Lucia Rivieccio, and she has all the skills necessary to maintain the organization while they do a thorough search. Um, And we're, and all of our programs are continuing uninterrupted. So we are in New York City schools and youth programs, we have summer leadership programs going on. Uh, right now. And um, we just expect to be doing more and continual better things to just improve the lives of youth and build healthy relationships for them into the future. I love it. And I love the interim model gang, by the way. So if you lead nonprofit organizations and you are a founder or you are an an exiting executive, I love that interim model because it allows the organization to be sustainable without this, this kind of weirdness, you know, like, well, we're trying to, you know, trying to find somebody or, you know, the time, like we can extend this time period out to make a proper search to meet with the proper candidates, right? And be very thoughtful and deliberate about this process versus having to do things like super quick, right? Right, or have, you know, a program, like somebody else in the organization who already has a full-time job kind of trying to take on, you know, the other thing. And yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a great, I think it's a great system. I think it'll allow us to do that careful search we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Is that on the website? You said there's, you know, the open, can they find it on, on day one? Yeah. It's, it either went up yesterday or it's going up today. So it'll all be available out there, uh, very quickly. All right. Good. So anything you want to leave them with other than love should be safe. (laughs) <laughs> um, just really, uh, as, as caregivers, as people who have young people in our lives, just really approach them with thoughtfulness. Make sure that you are a sensitive and thoughtful uh, partner and guide for them. If they need help, you need to think about how can you best influence uh, youth? How can you model healthy relationships? And then how can you be a resource so that, for instance, if somebody's breaking rules and is seeing someone maybe you didn't want them to see or going out after a curfew or something like that, but they still know that if they are harmed, if they need you, that they can come to you. And your first thought isn't going to be, how am I going to punish this behavior that I said no to? Instead, I want to make sure that I'm available to address the thing that's placing you at risk. Love that. I love that. That's critically important. I mean, it happened to me literally today, not referring to this type of topic, but it was something that it's okay. You're 13. We're going to figure this stuff out. We're going to work through it. You don't have to know the answers because I'll tell you, 20 answers I don't know at 45. So we're in this thing. So you got. I'm going to find the people who can help you. I'm going to, yeah. Yes. So critically important. Go to the website, gang, if you need support, day1ny.org. I want to find ways to. I didn't even get the chance to ask you this, but I live on Long Island and I want to find ways that we can have continuous resources, you know, come out here a little east. But you and I will talk about that offline. I got to do, I got to drop some thank yous out there. If it wasn't for your vision, Ken Serini, and founding the Long Island Imagine Awards, there would be no New York City Imagine Awards, and I may have never met Stephanie Nilva. That's life. That's how it goes. Shout out to my friend Kellyanne Serini, who runs all marketing and everything related to both Serini and Associates Accounting Firm, as well as the New York City Imagine Awards and the Long Island Imagine Awards. The event is in October. Reach out to me. I'll get you sorted out if you want to come to the event with us. Um, other than that, I got I want to thank Logan for taking care of the production work today. Thank, uh, you know, Thank my parents for creating me because Tommy D is it's a big part of uh, of the world right now. So listen, Stephanie, thank you for our, our new relationship that we're creating here. And I wish you all the best in the future. I don't say I don't I'm not big on the good luck thing. I say good skill. So I wish you good skill in your future endeavors. And if the kid can help you out through relationships, I'm happy to do so. So I do, refer, I do refer to myself in the third person. So that's how it goes sometimes. So you are welcome. I appreciate you. Everybody do me a favor. Make it a great weekend. Make it a great day. I'll be right back here next Friday. Actually, I'll wait here for you guys. You show back up next Friday. I'll be waiting for you. I'll see you later. Bye. Thank you, Tommy.
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify, your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 